Hello and welcome into the Fantasy Sanctuary. Hope you're all doing well. I have got a very special show for you today. We have done the positional previews. We're going to look at some guys that will we'll potentially miss out, some sleepers, if you will. I am joined by one of the best and brightest minds in the UK fantasy football industry, Matt. As you may know him at Matt FF Dynasty, he is one third of the fantasy wildcard. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks, Rich. Um, it's a pleasure to, to come on and talk some sleepers with you. To be honest, this is one of my favourite sub- subjects to talk about because when you talk about sleepers, you can't really lose, can you? Because it's one of those. Nobody really expects too much from from these sleepers. But if, if we nail one of these guys, Rich, then we're going to be uh, we're going to be victory lapping for a long time. So absolutely love talking sleepers. Love digging into the guys that maybe not a lot of people are, are talking about or know about. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's win-win, isn't it? Because, absolutely. you know... You're, we're telling people these are third, fourth, maybe even later round draft picks. It's like, okay, that 99 times out of 100, they're not going to hit. But if you nail it, you know, it's, it, it could be Arian Foster 2.0. I suppose you're, you're probably too young, Matt, to remember how good Arian Foster was as a dynasty pick. But, uh, but yeah, that was that was a pretty special one. So we'll dive straight in. Basically, what, what we've done is obviously we've been through the positional previews. We've talked about a lot of players. I tasked Matt with, this is the list of players we talked about. You need to pick out three players that you want to talk about. And then I picked out three that I wanted to talk about. So some of these might not necessarily be super deep sleepers, but they're basically guys that we've not talked about before. So we'll, we'll start with one who <laughs> I think calling him a sleeper is, is a little bit <laughs> unfair, shall we say? I think he's he's definitely not a sleeper. Um, Tajay Spears, I think he is certainly flying up draft boards over the last couple of months obviously pretty impressive uh kind of post season workouts and uh and some some of the senior bowl stuff and things like that a mind-blowing 2022 year i think is fair to say as you will uh you can see on the screen huge amounts of production last year are you a tajay spears believer matt Absolutely, Rich, to be honest. Like you said, we can't really class him as a sleeper anymore. I think maybe back in January, I think, yeah, we could have got away with sleeper. But like you've mentioned, the hype's just been building and building. But yeah, he's a guy that I really like. I remember recently, or maybe in the the last month or so, I put a a tweet out of a video of of Ty J Spears doing this unbelievable jump cut. It was like literally a glitch out of the Madden game. It was it was so surreal. It didn't didn't feel like it was actually real life. But yeah, this is one guy that his elusiveness is is unbelievable. Like you mentioned, looking at the stats on the screen, you look at the, the missed tackles first. I mean, this guy is super hard to bring down. He's, he's always making that first man miss. And, and that's obviously really exciting when you're talking about these running backs. As I mentioned, those those jump cuts are are something to to enjoy. And like you mentioned, when it when it comes into the NFL, I think he's going to be having a lot of these kind of clips where people are, are posting the, the the clips of this guy making these unbelievable plays. So I'm really excited to see what he can do when he comes into the NFL. Um, like you mentioned, that 2022 season was was brilliant, over 1,500 um, rushing yards. The fact is that he is a, a slightly smaller back at, what is it, 5'10", just over 200 pounds. But he's been really, really solid through through the running game. Um, I think the, the receiving game is maybe the one area I'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, like like you, you see again on, on the screen, 20, 22 receptions, just over 250 yards. So I think that's the one area I'd like to just see him maybe be used a little bit more. I don't know about how you feel on him, Mitch, but when you watch the tape, I think he's... He's okay at the receiving side of the game, but I just don't think he's got that elite ceiling to him. And, and I think with his size, I just worry that maybe he could be penciled into that kind of third down, third down running back and maybe not getting those kind of opportunities in, in the running game where he's excelled in, in college. So 
Um, yeah, he's a guy that I'm super excited about seeing where he lands in, in the NFL, what kind of draft capital he gets. But as I say, I think we're going to be seeing plenty of, of clips of him when he does get the opportunity to get on the field. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting you saying that. I uh, my in my rookie guide, the, the first line I say about him, I said, if you watch one play of Spears, you'd be super excited. He'd be fast, <laughs> quick, dynamic threat wherever he got the ball in his hands. Player that could score from anywhere on the field. However, the more you watch, you begin to believe that this yeah. is not just the case. I think that's it. He's he's a highlight waiting to happen, yeah. but sadly. He, those highlights are on every play. And I think that the more you watch him, the more you get used to, you, you see some some flaws. You see, you know, that size start to potentially wane a little bit in terms of the contact balance. I don't think is above average. I'd say he's he's slightly below average in that aspect. The receiving game is is a serious concern. I think I, I talked about with um, Dave Wright on our running back preview, you sort of have three types of receivers. You've got your true receivers that can line up out wide, that can, you know, run routes as a receiver, be used out of the slot, add something to the game. You've got your players that can basically catch checkdowns and screens, or you've got your players that can't do anything. And I think Tajay Spears probably falls in the, the latter two of those categories. I think it'd probably be a bit harsh to say he can't do anything, but he's not a player that you're going to see out on any sort of complex routes. You're not going to see him you know, lined up out wide, certainly. Yes, he can catch some check downs. Yes, he can use catch some screens. But that combined with, as you said, slightly smaller back, it, it does leave a little bit of a concern, a little bit of a, a worry for me. I mean, I, I really like him. He's my RB5 yeah. in the class at the moment. I think there's a lot to like. But I think it's going to, for me, a lot of him relies on what the NFL think. If he gets that day two draft capital, then I think, right, okay, He's going to get a role. He's not going to be kind of pigeonholed. But I just worry that he's almost a, he needs to be a 1A, 1B. Yeah. If he gets less than that, he's never going to be fantasy relevant because I don't think he's the kind of player that's going to get, you know, third down usage or he's, he's not a first, second down bully as such. So there, there is definitely some risk in his profile. There's definitely some risk him going to the NFL. But as you said, there's there's a lot to like, and I I am really excited about him. And you know, I, th- I think you you hitting that in the head earlier when you were saying about his his price has certainly been creeping up since since yeah. January, and it feels like it's you know with with I'm saying that he's my RB five. You know, we we talked about at the beginning of this he's he's RB eight and ADP. DLF are about to release the the April ADP, and and he's already in the top five in terms of rookie ADP there. So he's definitely starting to climb up, and I do worry that the price is going to get to a point where you're having to take him at the beginning of the second rounds. And and that's, that's nervy for me. Is he a player that you think is landing spot dependent rather than just perhaps draft capital dependent? Yeah, I think landing spots, uh, landing spots obviously going to be critical for somebody like Spears. I think you touched on it perfectly. The, the way that he's produced in college and how maybe the NFL views him could be two totally different things. And like you mentioned, I think the, the one way I'd like to see him use is maybe, I mean, obviously he's not the similar builders at somebody like this but a Tony Pollard you know a guy that's kind of seeing a 50-50 split with another back but not just being penciled into that third down receiving role he's actually doing 
running and, and receiving. I think he can do both of those, but I would like to see him used in, in the rushing game because like we've, we've touched upon, I think that's the, the key area where, where he excels as a runner is really solid. You look at the, the yards after contact per attempt, it's it's 4.55, I believe, which is fourth amongst the, the 2023 eligible um, running backs this past year. So he's shown, even though he is slightly smaller in stature, that he is a capable rusher of the, the ball. So I'd love to see him land in a situation where, as I say, he's kind of in that Tony Pollard um, role rather than just somebody that's going to come on on third downs because I don't think that's the, the key area that he's going to excel in. So, yeah, I think landing, landing spot is going to be a, a big part for me on, on how I um, evaluate Spears after the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, moving from Spears to another slightly diminutive back, shall we say, Chase Brown is currently RB12 in ADP. Is he a guy that you think has got some potential that he could carve out a genuine role at the next level? Yeah, again, this is another guy that is is labelled as a sleeper, but I think after the combine is is where he's kind of lost that sleeper appeal because everyone was talking about him after the combine running a, a four three a four four three in, in the four a forty yard vertical, which was a forty inch vertical, which was first the broad jump ten seven, which was first bench twenty five first again amongst running backs. So he's a guy that absolutely dominated the combine. Combine, I think that's really. Um, got him on, on people's radars because to be honest it was kind of like that for me he wasn't a guy that I was super enthralled by somebody that I was I was looking at a lot um, before the combine but when I saw those kind of numbers and um, obviously what he's done in, in college and in this past year he's a guy that's really stood out to me and started to rise up my board um, like we touched upon the athleticism that he's got you look at the elusiveness um, as well 83 missed tackles which again ranked uh, third amongst the, the, the running backs um, this this past year in the NCAA, second amongst the the 2023 running backs, only behind um, Bijan Robinson. So that just goes to show again the elusiveness that, it, that he's got. Um, I think maybe the, the one thing that maybe people might pick up on and, and say, why was this such a, a late breakout? I mean, you look at um, the the college career that he's had, starting at Western Michigan. Um, obviously had a, a bit of a down year to, to start his career, then transferred over to to Illinois and didn't really get productive until that 2021 season moving into the 2022 season. But actually, when you look a little bit deeper at why it took him so long to get going, I mean, I think there was a lot of issues with the, the transfer from Western Michigan to, to Illinois. And that kind of 2019 season, I think he took that as a, a red shirt. He didn't really play too much in that, just a, a few attempts. Um, and then obviously there was the COVID issue in, in 2020. So again, that was another disruptive season. So really, I don't think you can blame it all on on Chase Brown for why he couldn't really break out until later on in his career. So I think people are going to use that. And, and obviously the age as well being, I think he's just turned 23 the, the, these last couple of weeks. So um, a slightly older running back in, in terms of the prospects. But I think on the whole, the, the excitement with the again, this is going to be a little bit like Tajay Spears with the, the elusiveness with those big plays that he can do with that athleticism. He's a guy that, again, you're going to see quite a few clips if he does get the opportunity um, on the NFL field. But I do just worry what kind of draft capital he's going to get, as I say, a little slightly um, older prospect. But on the whole, yeah, another really interesting guy to, to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I typically don't like talking about landing spot as uh-huh. I don't believe it pays too much in significance. But I guess I'm, I'm going to do it again with Chase Brown after <laughs> just doing it with Spears. But I honestly believe it. Perhaps it's not landing spot. Maybe it's more scheme dependent. I honestly think that if Chase Brown lands in a outside zone heavy, whether it be a Shanahan, McVeigh style scheme where he can be a one-cut runner, with that elite speed, that elite top ends kind of athleticism, I think he could be an absolute steal. Now, I don't think he's going to be a superstar in terms of plug and play for fantasy, but I would not be shocked if he's Elijah Mitchell 2.0. 
you put them next to each other in terms of measurables they're very similar you put them next to each other in terms of their kind of play it is that fast one cut style you know if chase brown but goes early day three to the miami dolphins that's going to be an absolute steal for fantasy because he's perfect fit there i've got some slight concerns about him as a receiver i think he's you know it, it's it's similar to tajay spears again isn't it is you don't really see him utilized he's he's almost an add-on to the game rather than somebody that you're trying to get the ball at um in the receiving game it's it's, it's again it's those check downs and screens and things like that but yeah, there's, there's a lot to like there. Slightly smaller size, as you said, slightly older prospect, been in college a long time. Yes, we've had some issues. You know, he, he was an early enrollee, obviously had the issues coming out of Western Michigan and then COVID. And, but I think there is something there that I really like. And if there's any world where he sneaks into the back end of day two, I'm going to have a lot of Chase Brown. And, and, you know, as I said, if he ends up in one of those Shanahan tree environments, I'd be really excited about his prospects as a, you know, potentially a, a kind of a, a round three onwards lottery ticket. I think there's there's a lot to like there potentially. Yeah, no, you absolutely nailed it. I think that is the the one landing spot if you're going to pick any for for Chase Brown landing with the the Dolphins and obviously that kind of scheme. Like you touched upon that his his main strength is obviously using that that athleticism getting to the outsides and and that one cut and and he's gone. So, um, yeah, that'd be an ideal landing spot. And I think. Like you mentioned, we don't really like to say landing spots are too important. We like to trust the talent and, and always bet on the talent over the, the landing spot. But I think with running backs, especially guys like this, that's slightly older, maybe this could be his one shot, really, this rookie contract. And then beyond that, maybe we don't see too much from Chase Brown. So he's got to really excel and hit the ground running, um, to, to say the, the least. So, yeah, I think the landing spot's going to be key for, for somebody like Chase Brown with his, his um, the, the side of his game that he excels at. So... Again, yeah, this one that you definitely got to keep an eye out for in the NFL draft. And I think right now, if you're doing your, your rookie drafts early um, before the NFL draft, this is a guy that we could be talking in, in a few months, in a month's time after the NFL draft. His value is going to shoot up because if he lands in that, like I mentioned, that that ideal landing spot, yeah, I think people are going to get super excited about Chase Brown. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm already pretty excited. He's currently my RB7. I've got him ahead of yeah. the likes of Condre Miller, Sean Tucker, Roshan Johnson, Zach Evans, like there's some big names that I've got in my head of because I'm I'm really excited about his his potential. Yeah. One guy, one other guy that I've got in my head of, another diminutive back. It feels like there's a theme <laughs> here, Matt, with a lot of our sleepers. Deuce Vaughan. I mean, if if you're talking just from a production profile perspective, Deuce Vaughan's are arguably the best in this class, and and you know probably in the conversation with Bijan Robinson. The challenge is, is that he is tiny. And when I say tiny, I mean like pocket rocket type tiny. He's, you know, scrappy-do-esque. I think he's, what are we talking, five, five hundred and seventy-nine pounds? Like that's, you know, there's bigger players in high school than that. Are you a believer that Deuce Vaughan can do something at the next level? Or do you think that size is going to seriously limit him? Um, I knew that you were going to talk about Deuce Vaughan, um, Rich, because I know that you're obviously analytically minded a little bit like myself, and and obviously you've got your 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 RB models and stuff. And this is a guy that I've recently just started trying to create my own model, and and yeah, he, he hit instantly because you said you mentioned about that production that he's had, um, especially in the the last couple of years, pretty much fifteen hundred rushing yards back to back. Um, the amount of touchdowns he's got, he is a guy that's excelled in in the rushing game. And then you look at the receiving side of it as well. 
um, well over 100 uh, receptions in, in the three years in college. So in terms of production, I mean, this is like elite production in terms of what he's managed to do. But as you said, the, the one thing that I think is always going to be held against him is that size. He is small. And when you when you mentioned about how small he is, yeah, you, you said about if there's guys in high schools, I'd probably say it's guys in kindergarten that are probably bigger than, <laughs> than what Juice Ford is. Because, yeah, it's the one thing you notice when you when you watch the film, you just see how how small he is. It doesn't help the fact that he's obviously standing alongside tall quarterbacks, tall offensive, tall offensive linemen. But, yeah, he looks oh, he looks absolutely tiny in the backfield. And I do just worry um, moving into the NFL. We always talk about it's a completely different beast going from, from college football to, to the NFL. And while his production's obviously been fantastic in, in college, I do just worry about the wear and tear in, in the NFL fell um I'm, I'm not trying to say that he's, he's injury prone because i don't think anyone really is injury prone at, at this stage but you've just got to have question marks about that size and is that going to be held against him in terms of, of the nfl draft a, a team's going to be concerned that taking a running back this small that i think he can be used in a, in a variety of ways like I've touched upon the his rushing production and his receiving production so i think he's definitely got a role in him in, in terms of being that third down back um, I know watching the film, the one game that really stood out to me was the Sugar Bowl against um, Alabama going up against, obviously, we know what a, a strong defense and, and a team as a whole, Alabama, on the fact that he had over 133 rushing yards at a touchdown um, against Alabama shows that it can be done. He can compete against these these top-level defenses. But, yeah, I think that, that size is going to be held against him. And then the combine as well, it didn't really excel. A, a guy this small, you kind of wanted to stand out in the combine, and he, and he didn't really. His vertical was pretty average at 35 and a half inches the broad jump nine foot eight which was last amongst running backs um obviously the bench i don't really look too much at the bench but 17 last amongst amongst running backs didn't run a 40 i believe he ran at the pro day and they were saying that was around a four five i think at, at the pro day which is okay i guess but again when, they, when you've got this smaller back you, you kind of just you expect speed don't you from the smaller backs you you think you're not gonna have the size to, to bully defenders so um i think you've got to have that speed and i do just worry that he hasn't quite got that wow factor in terms of his, his explosiveness and and the strength and, and what he can do in the NFL. So I do just worry how the NFL view him and and how that moves forward and um, once he is selected and, and playing games in the NFL. Yeah, I think you know it's it's interesting you talk about the size and I think the size is absolutely a you know a conversation point. It's it's important at running back probably yeah. more than, than most other positions. But the the biggest concern with size is durability and whilst yes I appreciate he's not playing in the SEC you know he, he's still playing in a power five conference yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong I, I don't think he missed any time at all throughout his no. entire college career which you know that that says something to me um it's not like he was a you know a, a scat back that was getting 100 touches a year you know you you look on the screen there this last year he had 291 carries plus had 43 receptions on top of that like that's that's a serious workload and he carried it well you know he, he didn't get injured he didn't have to leave the field he, he didn't miss games and i think that that is reassuring i appreciate the nfl mm -hmm. is a step up in terms of physicality but i'm not you know i am concerned about the size but i'm not overly concerned from a durability standpoint the thing yeah. that i love about juice ford is that i guess i'm looking at him as when we're in this third, fourth round of rookie drafts, I'm looking at floor and ceiling and, and kind of where the combination is. And normally there's a lot of boom bust players in this type of range that have got really high ceilings or, you know, decent ceilings, but also got really low floors. That's why their third or fourth round picks are not going earlier. With Deuce Vaughan, I think he's actually got a solid floor because worst case scenario, I think he's a competent third down back. 
I think that you you know you can see on the screen here we're talking as a freshman he had 25% targets per run in his sophomore year it's 27.4 like those are elite wide receiver numbers he got heavily targeted you look at the a dot you know normally a running back is around zero anything in the negative means basically they were checked down charlie's he's three four yards a dot which doesn't sound massive but if you're catching you know two three catches a game behind the line scrimmage on check downs and screens it pulls your aid up very quickly so the fact that he's got a positive a dot shows and you plug on the tape and he does get flexed that wide he does run proper routes and and he is a player that can be used as a slot receiver and that says to me worst case scenario deuce vaughan is a third down back that can contribute on special teams and hangs around in the nfl well that to me says he's got potentially situational flex appeal as a worst case scenario you add into that the fact that there's a chance that he could take what he's done in college and be a three down back in the nfl there's a decent ceiling there and that says to me if i'm weighing up guys in this third fourth round i'm looking at that floor ceiling if i'm saying he's got a higher floor than most people around him and he's still got that ceiling then i'm absolutely intrigued and and yeah if if i only end up with a third down back that is kind of a roster clogger that i can never start well is that any worse than most of the third, fourth round picks that you're going to spend? Because that's basically what they end up being, isn't it? There's there's not many third or fourth round picks that become reliable, startable, fancy options. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think like you mentioned, the fact that he has been so productive and managed to handle such a large workload goes to show that if all right, he goes into the NFL and he's kind of penciled into it to be that third down running back, if 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 he does land in that situation, but anything were to happen to the starter, if he is the one B, if anything were to happen to the one A. And he gets the opportunity in the rushing game. I think he can prove himself when he gets that, that opportunity. And that's the kind of running backs that I like to target when going for these these sleepers, these later round targets. Is guys that, yeah, they can do both. They, they might not start doing both. They might just be okay. One might be primarily used as a as a rusher, but he's got that receiving game to him. If he then gets that opportunity, he can then excel in that, and that can then expand the value, expand the, the role that he gets in, in the NFL. So these are like the ideal targets that I look for. And I think, like we've touched on, the only real thing you can you can put against use for is, is his size, really. And if he can go into, like you mentioned, he's, he's handled a work, uh, heavy workload in, in college. So if he can go into the NFL and, and dispel all those, okay, he's, he's a shorter guy, but if he dispels all that and improves himself, then... I mean, what else have we really got to, to hate on Deuce Vaughan? I think he's, he's exceptional in the, the rushing and receiving game. So, yeah, definitely somebody um, I'll be targeting later on in my drafts. And, again, it's going to be interesting to see if he can maybe sneak into that day two. That would be that would be ideal. But even as a day three running back, I think he's a guy that could get the opportunity, get that spike in value, and then you've got that that opportunity to, to then move on from the running back because we know that, that running back values are the, the position where you get that. That, that immediate spike if they get an opportunity. So, yeah, I love targeting running backs in, in the later rounds in, in my rookie drafts. And as I say, this is a guy I'll be, I'll be targeting for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you, you talk about potential to sneak into day two. Look look at the model on screen now. So he's a pre-draft model, 87th percentile. That's because mm-hmm. of that production profile. Yeah. The post-draft is based on him being a sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. If he was to sneak into the third round, he'd jump up to an 80th percentile prospect. That's in a similar world to Devon Chain and Zach Charbonnet. Like that's that's where my model would have him as probably the RB five in this class, but in a tier with three and four, which which is mind blowing yeah. because I can't quite believe that it would have him there. But that shows 
the potential upside that a player like him does have. Yep. Before we move on to, to the next guy, I'm just keen to remind you, if, if you're here and you haven't given us a thumbs up, give us that like, what's going on? You know, we're 23 minutes into the video. All it takes is a second. Give us that thumbs up. Give us a click. It really helps. And also, whilst you're there, hit that little subscribe button. So the next guy is a guy I believe you wanted to talk about, running about 19 in ADP. Keita Mitchell, are you are you a big believer? Is he your kind of true love this year? <laughs> I mean, I do have a, a bit of previous of going for running backs that play for a team in Carolina in, in college football. I've got previous for this, Rich, um, with my, my Michael Carter love, but it's obviously not North Carolina. This is East Carolina, so... Um, a bit of a smaller school prospect, and, and again, this is these are the kind of guys I get drawn into. Rich, it's hard not to get drawn into these smaller school guys because when you get a, a guy at a smaller school, they're obviously standing out. This is a guy that stood out at East, East Carolina. Um, the, the production that he's got both in the rushing game and the receiving game over his three years there is is great to see. Um, over 450 rushing attempts in his college career, over 3,000 rushing yards, 25 touchdowns, 60 receptions, um, 580 receiving yards and three touchdowns. As I say, he's a guy that's absolutely dominated, but the obvious caveat is going to be it was at a smaller school. But I don't know how you feel about this, Rich, but when, whenever I, I get this kind of hit back from, from these smaller school guys and say, yeah, well, it was all against the, he was playing for a smaller school, the level of competition was obviously going to be weaker, but I mean, what do you expect from the guy? You get you play what you put in front of. Surely, I mean, there's there's, there's no opportunity in that. You've got you've got to to play against the the players that are put in front of you. So while some people say, yeah, it was weak competition, I think well, he's dominated against that level of competition. What's to say that he can't dominate a high level of competition? And this is kind of why I'm getting sucked into to Keaton Mitchell. And then you look at what he did at the combine again. This is another area where I think people started to really get a bit of buzz about Mitchell and, and start to realize what it was about because he, he ran a great 40 time of 437, which was third amongst running backs. The, the vertical jump, 38 inches, which was third broad jumps, 10 foot six, second amongst amongst the running backs. So really dominating in, in the combine, which was great to see, as I, as I say, from a, a smaller school guy. And I think the, the, the thing that again stood out for me was when you look at the 10 yard split at the 48, it was actually the fastest amongst all running backs at the combine at that 10 yard split and i mean when we talk about the running backs there's obviously a name there in, in devon a chain he was actually faster than him in, in terms of that 10 yard split so everyone bangs on about the how excited they are for for a chain and obviously that that track pedigree that he's got and, and how he was going to be so elite at the combat so the fact that he's quicker off the line and and that first 10 yards than, than a chain shows just just how explosive he is and and what a great athlete he's going to be so that really excites me that, that as i mentioned the explosiveness um, 57 breakaway runs um, this this past year, which is obviously runs over over 15 yards. So that's pretty much one in eight were a big run. Again, that's better than guys like Devin Chain, Tajay Spears, these guys that you label as explosive. So the fact he's been able to to do that again is it's just really exciting for me, Rich, as I say, he's a smaller school guy, so he's not going to get a great deal of buzz about him. He's going to get the knocks of the the level of competition. Again, another guy that could have knocks against his, his size, only five foot eight, 180 pounds. So kind of similar to, to that Tajay Spears, um, maybe two spawn as well, but a little bit bigger in, in height. But, yeah, this is a guy that I'm excited to see what kind of draft capital he gets. I'm, I'm expecting it to be bad, to be honest, because he is obviously that smaller school guy. There's there's every chance that this guy could go go undrafted, but if he does get into into that early day three, is that a possibility? Then if so, yeah, it's going to be tough for me not to get excited by him. He's got that receiving ability. He's got that rushing ability. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what situation he lands in in the NFL. Yeah, I I like Mitchell, and I think to go back to your your kind of point about 
scouting smaller school guys. Basically, when I, when I'm watching the, the games, I'm, I'm looking for are you absolutely dominating against inferior competition? And yeah, <laughs> quite frankly, Mitchell did. You know, he was. I want to say the Pirates was their nickname. I'm going to get that wrong. He was their entire offense. You know, you look at some of the the kind of key stats, yards per team rush attempt. He was 92nd percentile across all all players since 2003 in terms of yards per team rush attempt. That's basically saying he was the entire rushing offense for them. And and you saw it week in, week out. You know, the other teams knew where the ball was going, and yet he was still able to produce. And, and I think that it's a shame he's come out a year early because normally with these smaller school guys, you get to see him go to the Senior Bowl or the East West Shrine game or things like that, and you get to see him go up against elite competition and and bigger school guys and and if they can hold their own with him it it is a lot of projection because he has come out that that year early but that that says to me someone's obviously talking to him and saying Mm -hmm. you know it's worthwhile you coming out so maybe the nfl are are liking what they see um i really like him as a prospect i think yes you know it's the same with juice vaughn he's a first percentile in terms of weight at the running back position <laughs> since 2003. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a concern. I think he's a potential third down back again because of the size. I don't think he's the route runner that Deuce Vaughan is, but I think he's a better kind of all-round running back. I, I I like him less than kind of the three other backs that we've, we've talked about just because I, I worry the ceiling. I don't know if because it's a smaller school, because... You know, he is smaller in stature. I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity, but at the point in the draft we're going, you know, fourth round, it, it's it's lottery ticket time. And why not take a lottery ticket on a guy that's, that's produced in college, that's got, you know, as you said, really good athletic testing numbers and, and hopefully he can hit and do something. But yeah, for me, the way I draft is that when I get to that third, fourth round, I'm basically only drafting running backs anyway. So yeah, he's probably a guy that I'm gonna gonna take plenty of shots on and, and have quite a few shares come uh, come mate on. Yeah. So we're gonna take a transition now and, and move across to some wide receivers that you wanted to talk about, Matt. The first guy, a guy I, I feel like there's there's some Trey Palmer truthers, shall we say, sneaking around. <laughs> I see some some serious love. There's some people that are are hyping him up a fair amount. Are you are you classing yourself as a truther? Um, I wouldn't label myself quite as a as a truther. I'm a, I'm a believer. Can we can we use that? I'm a believer. I yeah, think. I like that. Um, yeah, I think he's he's definitely got got some talent there. I think, like you mentioned, we, we obviously spoke a lot about about running backs. So we've got to show a little bit of love to to the wide receivers. And this is a guy again that's that's going super late currently in in the in your drafts. Um, you've got it on there, wide receiver 17 in, in ADP. So this is a guy that I'm seeing going in, in the fourth, maybe even fifth round of, of rookie drafts at the moment. Um, and again, this is another guy that's really excelled at the combine. I think that the main part of, of Palmer's game, I think a lot of people are going to know the moment that they watch any kind of tape on him is the speed. I mean, the speed is is right up there. He was the fastest wide receiver at the NFL combine. Um yeah, the speed is obviously a big talking point for him. But I think he's got a little bit more to his game than maybe what he gets given credit for. I think a lot of people will look at his production in college. He was a quite a, 
a highly touted prospect coming in as a as a recruit from from high school, and he went over to to LSU. Could sadly never really get a, a role at LSU, but I mean, when you're talking LSU, the guys he was going up against, the, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chasers, I mean, you've got to be pretty special to to dethrone those guys. So you can kind of understand why he maybe didn't get too much um, role early on at LSU. But he also used quite a lot on on special teams, which I think is actually a bit of a positive, and and how he could maybe be selecting the NFL. Do NFL teams see that usage? In, in special teams, the ability that it's got as a as a punt returner, as a kick returner, and that's then going to give him an opportunity to see the NFL field and hopefully show what he can what he can do when given an opportunity with the ball in his hands. And as I say, with the elite level of speed that he's got, I think the the ceiling that, that he's going to have those boom games for sure. This is a guy, obviously, you guys on on fantasy sanctuary love a bit of best ball. Tom obviously covers all the, the best ball. If you're in a, a dynasty best ball league, then this is a guy for me that I think you've got to target because I. I would be shocked if he doesn't have those big boom games. I mean, I can I can picture a dream scenario, lands at the LA Chargers, obviously crying out for a speedster <laughs> over there. If he lands there with Justin Herbert throwing him the ball, then yeah, he's going to have those boom games for sure. And, and Tom's going to fall in love with him. We know his love for, for MVS. This is that kind of boom player that, that I think Tom's going to absolutely fall in love with. But you kind of pencil him and, and label him as that, that go route kind of guy. But when you actually look at where he was lined up when he moved over to, to Nebraska, especially, but obviously at LSU as well, he just played quite a lot in the slot. I think he, he mainly played in the slot at LSU and it was only when he went to Nebraska that they kind of put him a bit in the slot, a bit out wide. So I think that shows that he can actually be used in more than one way than, than just that vertical go guy and using that speed. So um, all in all, I think the NFL, how they view him is, is going to be critical to, to obviously the draft capital and how we then view him in, in terms of, of what you can do in, in fantasy but i really like him as a, as a sleeper somebody that's kind of underrated people don't really know what his game is maybe when you just look at the stats and the speed you just put one and one together and i think maybe they're getting getting three instead of two because i think he can be used in in a, a variety of different ways so yeah a guy that i'm looking forward to see get selected in, in the nfl and and his role moving forward yeah i think you you have to start and talk about the speed don't you you know that is the clear <laughs> thing that pops off the page I think that to class him as a pure burner is probably a bit harsh. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's got more nuance to his route running than perhaps you'd think. I think his hesitation move on the, on a deep go is absolutely filthy. And the amount of times he destroyed corners with <laughs> a little hesitation, getting to stop their feet, and then boom, he's gone. It's, it's unbelievable. I think that he's going to stick around in the NFL because, you know, you talked about LSU. He had plenty of special teams ability. He's going to be used as a gunner. He's going to get used, whether it's on kick returns, punt returns. Like, he's got that ability. He's going to stick around as a member of the 53, and that's going to allow him an opportunity to round out and and potentially, you know, as you said, have those boom weeks. I think that my concern is a physicality thing. You know, he's got decent size in terms of six foot. 192 but i did see him at times struggle when corners got more physical you mentioned nebraska moved him in out of the slot quite a lot i think that was to get him that free release and i worry that yeah you know in the nfl he can get schemed up a free release very easily but if you're you know you stick him on the chargers are we going to line him up in the slot and move keen allen that wide or are we going to let keen allen keep running out the slot and and expect trey palmer to develop a release package and at the moment, I don't know if that's there, but you know, you you can't look at what he did this last season and and not be excited. You see on the screen there, forty six point one five percent dominator rating. Like that's absolutely mind blowing. Um, it was an incredible year. He was a really good prospect. He's got good athleticism. 
I think his hands are good. I think he tracks the ball well on the deep threat. It's, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot to like. I think I agree with you in that he's probably better for best ball because I do think he's mm-hmm. going to be one of those guys that, yeah, he'll he'll probably have three or four boom weeks a season, but trying to predict when they're going to be is is going to be tough. So, yeah, maybe as a an end of the bench stash in best ball, he's probably a lot better than a... You know, maybe turns into a bit of a roster clogger that's too good to drop because he has those three or four weeks, but you never feel comfortable sticking him in a flex because he could equally go, you know, three targets for zero receptions or something like that. So, yeah, like, like the player, plenty to, to get excited about, but I do think that physicality could be his uh, his Achilles heel as such. So the last guy that uh, that you wanted to talk about, I'm, I'm going to let you pronounce his name. It's you know he's a bit bit of a journeyman, ended up at BYU where he truly truly broke out. Are you are you a, a big fan or or was it just the name that uh, that you wanted to? <laughs> I'll put the name out there for you. It's Puka Nakua. That is the the name of the, the guy we're going to be talking about. Played over it like you mentioned BYU, but started over in in Washington. Um, I'll be honest, Rich, this is fun you spoke about um, a little earlier with Trey Palmer, my truther. I think this is the player that I'm a, I'm a truthful. This is the guy that I'm going to be super excited seeing where he lands in the NFL, what kind of draft capital he gets, because um, he's a guy that I've been following ever since the, the beginning of this offseason. On Twitter, I do my um, under-the-radar rookies, and this was like the second guy that, that I looked at, and immediately I fell in love with him. Um, I always get a soft spot for these guys that aren't just the prototypical wide receiver, the, the kind of that gadget player, which I know doesn't get a great reputation in, in fantasy. You think of guys like Tavon Austin, but I mean, I really like these guys that aren't just that prototypical wide receiver. He's a guy that can be used in the rushing game, in, in screen passes, um, in jet sweeps. He can, he can do it all basically, but not just that. He's, I had this discussion with, with our good friend Evan Brown on, on his um, podcast, and he was kind of saying that, is Puka Nakua getting these opportunities because he's not good enough to, to be that outside wide receiver where I view it as I think he's that good that they want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. I mean, you just look at the the, the yards per reception, the yards per route run. He's right up there with amongst some of the best in terms of what he can do and on yards per, per route run. He's, he's, I think he was second best um, amongst this year's um, eligible wide receivers. So he's a guy that, sh- that it shows me when he's got that opportunity, when he's on the field, he can do amazing things when he got the, the ball in his hands. The the one knock that I will put against him is that is that the fact of keeping him on the field has been the biggest issue in his college career. He's, he's been um he's been marred by by injuries throughout his career. He had a, a broken ankle early on at Washington. Um, and then like we touched upon, moved over to, to BYU and again just couldn't really get into the swing of things, kind of just getting those constant injuries that that are holding him back. But um, yeah, he's a guy that I'm super excited about. I feel like the NFL are, are coming around to him as well. When he went to the combine, I heard reports that, that he really impressed in his interview, um, interviews that he did. You, you watch the film on him, and I think, again, he's a guy that teams are going to fall in love with because he's such a competitor. His, his, his physicality when it comes to the catch point is something that, that stands out to me when he is lined out, out wide and, and in those contested catch situations. So, yeah, he's a guy that the all-round game I love. You're going to see, if you, if you search his name on Twitter, you're going to see a lot of these Devo Samuel kind of kind of comps. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm at, at that level that he's going to be the next Devo Samuel, but I do kind of understand it with obviously the, the rushing ability that he's got, the, the receiving ability that he's got. So, um, yeah, a guy I'm really excited to see where he lands. Your argument is that I think that the landing spot could be crucial. We want him to be in that situation where he is schemed to to be used in in with the jet sweeps, the the screens, because that is where he's excelled at college. So 
Um, yeah, another guy that I'm super excited to see where he lands. Please let him get that that solid draft capital, and then I can be I can feel justified to have love for for Pukunakua. But um, even if he doesn't reach the bonus, I'm I'm still going to be in on him. Yeah, I, I like him more as an NFL receiver than a fantasy receiver. I think is going to be my take. I think that you talked about his physicality. I think in terms of intangibles, he does it all. You're not going to find a more willing, more physical blocker in this draft than him. You know his ability to to go in and mix it up. I think you could easily see him used in a a big slot capacity because of that blocking ability. Something like you know you saw Juju use last year with the Chiefs or something like that where because he is a good blocker and he's going to be a good blocker the second he steps in the nfl field he's going to have a role i think that where he struggles is that you just look at his pure counting stats you know you look at last year nine games 67 targets 625 yards five touchdowns that doesn't scream like superstar but then you look at the advanced numbers as you said 3.53 yards per out run 37.9 targets per out run like it's it's mad. The reason he looks his counting numbers look so poor is that BYU basically didn't really throw the ball very much, yeah. and he wasn't on the field to, for running routes, basically. So I think that yeah, there, there's a lot to like. I think that he's he's a guy that I think is going to be, as I said, better for the NFL than fancy because I just don't know if he's going to be able to command significant enough volume in the NFL because I don't think he's a good enough athlete to be utilized in that Debo Samuel role I know you're talking up the potential and I get that yeah he, there, it. <laughs> it, it, it could be there where he's used in those gadget plays but I just don't know if he's good enough with the ball in his hands to command being forced those touches at an NFL level the biggest concern I have having said all that is that I think he's a really poor route runner I think that unfortunately he doesn't understand how to set up defenders. He's not, you know, good in terms of slowing his feet down, breaking, making cuts. He rounds off so many of his routes. And that means that he doesn't create separation, which is then why he has to rely on the contested catches, which, yes, fine, he is, he is very good contested catch receiver, but I'd much rather see a guy that can consistently get open and not have to rely on those contested catches. So hopefully you know his blocking ability his physical nature allows him to stick around in the nfl long enough that he can round out his game and improve the route running and and that side of things but i think there's there's definitely a little bit of work to be had shall we said that that will hopefully allow him to potentially be fantasy relevant but yeah i'm 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 not a, a huge believer myself sorry to to disagree and disappoint matt I mean, if you want to miss the train, Rich, that's, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but I'm, I'm starting this train up early. And I mean, if anybody wants to jump on with me, I mean, I think you've got to get on now, Rich. I think it, I'm, I'm super excited to see what you can do in the NFL. And as I say, I think leading up to the NFL draft, he's the one guy I'm, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on and seeing where he lands and at what point of the, the NFL draft. Hopefully, in the NFL. I mean, right. this, this this could all be all, all be erased if you get if he goes undrafted because well, that's be, it, isn't it? I'll be deleting those tweets pretty quick. <laughs> As we said, he's wide receiver twenty four and ADP. Like you, you you're not spending a lot of capital to go out and get him, are you? It's a, it's a fairly cheap buy. It's a fairly cheap uh, kind of draft that that you're not you're not burning a lot of resources to go out and get him so yeah I'm, I'm not on board i'm not sure i'm gonna get on board matt but i'm very happy for you to come on board next year 
and uh, and slate me when I'm I'm clearly wrong and, and Puka Nakua is uh, is a superstar. So yeah, but uh, but thank you ever so much for coming on, Matt. It's been absolutely fantastic. I love talking through these guys. You know, as you said at the beginning, you you do dig deeper the, the most, and and I love to hear your thoughts and uh, on some of these sleepers. Where, remind the people listening where where can they uh, where can they find you? Where can they find your work? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Matt F Dynasty. That's where I do all my my written content. And then obviously, like you, you mentioned it at the start, I, I do a podcast with my good friends, Kevin Alley, Fantasy Wildcard. Um, we, we do our Dynasty show over there. So yeah, if you, you want to listen to to some more UK guys talking talking a bit of Dynasty, you can follow us on Twitter at Wildcard Dynasty. And, and yeah, thanks again for having me on, Richards. It's been an absolute pleasure as always talking to you. And Let's just hope that Buka Nakua hits because I'll, I'll be back with a vengeance next year, picking that one up and, and doing my victory laps all over Twitter. <laughs> I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Joy. It's been awesome having you on. And uh, yeah, if as I said earlier, if you're not following, make sure you drop a like, make sure you give us a subscribe, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye.